Our theme for 2013 is no regrets, but here's the reality. It's hard to have no regrets when our lives at times are controlled by fears. Because fear will keep you from accomplishing the purposes to which God has called you. Fear will hold you back. The Bible uses a number of words to denote fear. And the two most common words in Hebrew for the Old Testament, the two most common words would be translated reverence and also dread. So reverence and dread in the New Testament, it would be meaning fear and terror, fear and terror. And the first type of fear that I want to talk to you about is holy fear. This fear has been lost by many people. There's a holy fear, and holy fear is this reverence for God. It is capturing a vision of who God is. It's not that God's not our homeboy, God's not our pal, he's not some cosmic Santa who lets us sit on our lap and pats us on the back. God is holy and he's just. He's a God of unquenchable fire. He's a God who is perfect. He's the creator of the universe. He spoke the word. He simply spoke the word and all that is was created simply by his spoken word. God is not someone to be trifled with or fooled with or made fun of or mocked. God is a power. I mean, he is super. He's beyond what we can possibly dream. God is, he's holy and he's just. And this holy fear is given to us. It's God given. It enables men to reverence God's authority, to obey his commands and to hate and shun all forms of evil. This is a fear that you and I should have inside of us and it should grow more and more each day. The fear of the Lord is good for you. It's not bad for you. Have you ever been around someone whose kids... Now, I know we talk about love, and we're going to talk about love in a few minutes. But have you ever been around someone whose kids didn't fear them? You ever been around someone whose kids had no fear of the teacher? They had no fear of the coach. They had no fear of the principal. They had no fear of anyone. What do we call them? We call them idiots. That's what we call them. And we don't like to be around them. They're a pain in mom and dad's butt because mom and dad don't have the courage to stand up to them and tell them to sit down and shut up, to stop it, to knock it off. These kids are just act like wild animals. My dad taught me to fear him. It's not a bad fear. People think, oh, you shouldn't be afraid of your dad. You know what? If you're not doing what you're supposed to, I want my kids to fear me. They better fear me. If they don't fear me, if they don't have any respect for me, then they're not going to have any respect for anybody else. If there's no one in their life, and that's a problem with so many people today. They've lost this fear and this reverence for God. They think God's just their buddy. You know, it's like a parent who wants to party with their kids. A parent who wants to be buds with their kids. They end up having a place where the kids despise them. The kids, as they grow up, don't appreciate them for that. They say, my mom and dad are idiots. My mom and dad are crazy. And the parents then can't stand to be around the kids. But as a healthy parent, if you teach your kids to respect you, 
and to respect people who are in authority and to respect the police officer and to respect their teacher and their Sunday school teacher and their youth pastor and, and all these things. It's funny how much the family loves to be together. There's a couple of scriptures that I want to share with you. In Jeremiah 32, verse 40, it says this. This is God speaking. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them. And I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. In our first service, there was a prophetic word that was given. And it talked about God being awesome and God to be feared and yet God blessing us. It went perfect with our message in the first morning service. It was God to be feared, that God was to be reverenced, and God was to be held in awe and high esteem and to be obeyed, and yet the blessings and the love that God has for us as his people. And so the word says that God says, I'm going to do good to them, but I'm going to inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away. The psalmist writes in Psalms 111 verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. The psalmist writes in Psalms 147 verse 11. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. It said the Lord delights in those who fear him. Let's go back for a moment. Have you ever seen a child who doesn't have any respect for their parent and the parent comes to the point where they don't even want to be around those kids? You ever seen it? You ever been in the grocery store with them, in the restaurant, in the neighborhood? The parent comes to the point where they can't stand being around their own kids because the child has absolutely no regard. But the word says that the Lord delights in those who fear him. The writer of Ecclesiastes describes it this way in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all of mankind. In the Old Testament, true religion is often regarded as synonymous with the fear of the Lord. True religion was synonymous with fearing the Lord. In the New Testament times, in the book of Acts, you'll read this term about walking in the fear of the Lord. And that's talked about what the New Testament church did and how they behaved. These were people who did everything they could to please the Lord and to walk in his ways. Gentile adherents who became a part of the synagogue. They were Gentiles, but they wanted to worship God and wanted to follow God. You know what they were called? In New Testament times, they were referred to as God-fearers. They were God-fearers. In the New Testament, there's this emphasis on God being a loving and forgiving God. The one who, through Christ, gives to men the spirit of sonship and enables us to boldly face life challenges and to boldly face even death without fear. Nevertheless, this idea of a reverent fear remains because the awesomeness of God has not changed. And there is a day of judgment that each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You see, godly fear motivates the believer to seek holiness. 
And it's reflected in the way that he interacts with others. If you have a child who doesn't respect their parent, then they don't treat other people right either. And if you have a man or a woman who doesn't fear the Lord, then they oftentimes treat other people bad as well. Okay, and so it's reflective in all of their relationship. Friend, this is a fear that we need to have. The lack of the fear of the Lord can be seen when churches preach false doctrines. When pastors live in immorality, when people walk into church and just live like the devil all week and then they come to church and serve in their ministry, when that happens, you know that people have lost their fear of the Lord. And some people think that's freedom, friend. That's not freedom. That's bringing people deeper into bondage. The fear of the Lord is a good thing, and I hope this. I hope that the more you know God, the more you reverence him, the more highly you esteem him. I hope that the closer you walk with God, the more you dread disappointing him. The more that you say, you know what, wait, I don't want to, when I come into church, I don't want to offend the Holy Spirit. I don't want my attention to be drawn here and there. I don't want my focus to be drawn there. I don't want to do anything, Holy Spirit, that would offend you. So the fear of the Lord should be something that grows in us continually. There's another type of fear that we're going to talk about. And this is a slavish fear. This is the natural consequence that comes with sin. It's like the bad aftertaste. That's what it's like. Adam displayed it after he disobeyed and ate the fruit. Adam says this. God comes walking in the cool of the day. And Adam takes off and runs and hides. Remember that? Right after he fell? And he said, I heard you coming in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I ran and I hid. Let me say this to you. When you and I live in sin, when we yield ourselves to our flesh, you open up your heart and your mind to fear and terror. When you give in to sin, when you give in to your own ways of doing things, you open yourself up for terror to strike you. Now, here's what the scripture says in Proverbs 28, verse 1. The wicked flee, though no one pursues him, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. See, I'm going to say something to you. As a believer, when you are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, You can face life challenges with confidence. Difficulties can come your way and you'll find that you're going to have this quiet boldness and this quiet assurance. But every time you yield yourself to the flesh, every time you give in to the old sinful nature, every time you do things your way, what you'll find is that you open yourself up for fear and insecurities and all of these crazy thoughts to enter into your mind. If you're being obedient to the word of the Lord, you don't have anything to fear. It says he's as bold as a lion. This fear is a result of what happens when people reject the voice of God. In Acts chapter 24, remember Paul goes before the governor, Felix. And he starts preaching to Felix. And in 24 verse 25, it says, As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid And said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. 
Felix was seeking after God. He was curious. There's something that stirred in his heart and he was questioning about who Jesus was. But then as he began to preach, there was something inside of him that said, no, 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 no. And that is what happens in believers today too. There's believers today who, as you follow God, there's some things that God calls you. He says, I want you to put it down. And we're like, I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to hear it. If you're going to follow Jesus, there's some things that are going to have to die. There's going to be some things you're going to have to put to death. It's going to cost you. It's not going to cost you something. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you. You know, we tell, like, listen, you can give Jesus like 7%. And some people feel good because they give him 10%. Well, I'm going to tell you, he's going to ask for everything from you. That's what he asked of us. He asked us to give our entire self to him. Felix was hearing this teaching and he began to say no. And that's what happens. That's what people do when the gospel goes forth and they do not want to heed the Lord's demands because God is a demanding God. He's a jealous God. He doesn't want to share you. He wants all of your heart. Moving on to our next verse in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 26, it says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sin is left. Only the fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So we have this slavish fear that arises whenever we give in to sin. It's the aftertaste. And you can be walking in confidence and boldness and assurance with God. And whenever you give in to the flesh, whenever you go back to the old ways of doing things, you're going to open the door for fear to control. It comes with it. You can't give in to the sinful nature and not have those fears. Can't give in to the sinful nature and not open the door to those fears to come into your life again. Third type of fear I want to talk to you about, the fear of men. There's two sides to that. On the one hand, there's some people who have no fear. They say they have no fear of anybody. What they mean is just that they're disrespectful and they're not going to listen to anybody. That's not a healthy one. There needs to be a healthy reverence for those who are in authority because God establishes authority. It's he who places people in authority. It's easy to pick on teenagers and we kind of like, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of easy to see sometimes You can see the beginning of it sometimes in kids. It may not be full-blown, but you can see it in their attitude, in the way they talk, in the way they respond to their mom or dad, or the way they carry themselves. We want our young people to have a regard for their teacher or for their coach or for the principal. It's not a healthy thing when your kid has no respect. Did you see that? In the news like a week ago, a soccer referee died in a youth-type soccer thing. The kid hit him and killed him. That's crazy. And what we've got, we've got people who think like we're all equal. You know, the kids are like, well, who's the teacher to tell me? Who's my mom to tell me? We've got adults who say we're all equal. Let me say something to you. We're not all equal. God establishes authority. And if you go to your company and you're like, hey, we're all equal, you're going to have a habit of, if I own a company and we're all equal, well, we're not all equal because I own the company. You're going to do what I say or you're going to get fired. It's just the bottom line. You'll find in life that life gets very difficult when we do not learn to come under authority. One of the great things about the military is the military establishes in men that there is authority. And you need to learn to come under authority. In our relationship with God... If we don't learn that God is in authority 
and he places other people in our lives who he says, you may not always agree with them, but it's for your good and it's for my good. I have district presbyters and I have district superintendents and we have uh, general presbyters and a general superintendent who are in authority over me. It's for my good. And I'm a fool. I'm a fool if I reject the teachings and instructions of, of people who God has placed in my life. I have a healthy fear for my leaders because I realize if I do something wrong, they have the authority given to them by God to come in and say, you're wrong. We're going to discipline you. Okay. If you don't have anybody in your life who has that, you're in a dangerous place. All of us need somebody who has the right to come into our lives and speak to us because can you see everything? Do you know everything? No, none of us do. And all of us should be thankful that God has placed, whether it's on our job we say it's easy to point out the kids when they do that. But, you know, sometimes people on the job have an, just a horrible attitude. I don't agree with my supervisor. I don't agree with my boss. Well, God's placed them in authority over you. Until you learn this lesson, you're going to keep experiencing these things. The Bible says this, 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority whether the emperor as a supreme authority or the governors who are set by him to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. And so all we got to do is do right and you don't have to worry about it. Do right and you'll be happy to see those in authority. Do the right thing and you'll be glad when they come. Why? Because they're going to commend you for doing right. The unhealthy part of the fear of man is found when instead of pleasing God, we focus our attention upon pleasing people. Proverbs 29, verse 25, it says, The fear of man, the fear of men will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of men will be a trap to you because it'll keep you from doing what God asks you to do. It'll keep you from stepping out and trying something new because you're afraid, well, what if I fail? What will people think? It'll hold you back. It's a trap for you, the fear of men. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, uh, later on in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about those who shrink back. The opposite of fear really is faith. Fear holds us back. Faith moves us forward. Fear traps us and causes us to be hesitant. And faith causes us to be bold and confident and to move forward. God is not going to be pleased with us. The writer of Hebrews says this, that if you're controlled by fear... If you lack faith, God is not going to be pleased with us. Now, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, it says, You suffered along with those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a better and lasting possession. These people had faith that God had something better for them even than what they could currently see at this moment. So he says, so do not throw away your confidence for it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He says, 
it's not going to be much longer. The one who's coming, the one who's coming with his reward is coming soon. And he says, and, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. The writer of Hebrews says that the righteous one will live by faith and that God's going to take no pleasure in the man or the woman who shrinks back. But he says that's not in our DNA. That's not who we are. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. And then he says, but now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The ancients were commended for their faith in God. What's it say about Abraham? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God said, I'm going to give you a son. Now, honestly, you're 90 some years old. Your wife is 90. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know if we've got anyone 90 in here, but wouldn't be expecting them to deliver a newborn next week. And yet Abram believed God and his faith before he did anything. Now, here's the cool part. The fact that you just believe God before you even step out, it's credited to you as righteousness. He didn't accomplish anything at the beginning. He just believed. But God credited that to his account as righteousness. Fear can be debilitating. If you allow it to, it'll stop you from doing what you're supposed to do. I'm going to talk to you in a moment about a five-second rule. This past Monday around 1.30, two armed men entered into M&T Bank and demanded money. Now, you can imagine how scary it would be for two guys with guns coming in and pointing their guns at the customers, the bank employees, screaming at them, shoving a gun in their face, not knowing if they're going to kill them, if they'll ever see their family members again. They got their money and they took off running. When something like that happens, there's a tone that sounded over the police radios to alert all the officers in the area of a serious situation. And after they sound a tone, then they give the details. It just so happened that whenever that tone comes off, my brother Todd was just a couple blocks away from where the bank's being robbed. And he thought, well, if they're running in a particular direction, that's where the neighborhoods are. And so he drove that way and and he drove down one street. He doesn't see anybody. And so he turns on the next street and sure enough, he sees two guys jumping into the back of a car with two other occupants. Now, there's only so many people who fit their description. Two guys running like crazy with a bag of money and guns. So he calls it out over the radio and He pulls up right behind him in his unmarked car. And as he does so, one of the guys jumps out and begins to run towards the woods. And Todd jumps out and he begins to chase him. And he finally catches up to him as they get into the woods. And he goes to tackle him and he tackles him. But they fall into a tree. He wanted to shake hands with the guy. The guy didn't want to shake hands. And so he began to throw a few elbows and and hit him a couple times. He throws the guy on the ground, gets him, cuffs him, and takes his gun from him. Whenever he called in his position, other officers came, the car took off, and they eventually apprehended them. And so he talked about it, and I said, dude, were you scared? He said, I just watched this show. Jenna had just rented this video on TV, and it was about bank robberies. 
And it was like these guys would rob banks and then they would set up, they'd set up an ambush so that whenever the police came, that they had a couple guys who ambushed the police and killed them. And he said, I just watched that last week. And he said, I had a nightmare. And I said, well, how long did it take? He said, so I said, were you scared? He's like, yeah, I was scared. He said, the adrenaline was pumping. My heart was beating. I said, well, how long did it take? He said, it took about five seconds. He said, from the time I turned, when I, when I, as I turned a corner, I saw the guys, I called the radio. And by the time I get down to behind their car, jump out, start chasing the guy, it's five seconds. Now, I want to say this to you. In life, most of us aren't going to jump out and chase people with guns who just robbed the bank. But if you wait more than five seconds, you're going to talk yourself out of doing a lot of things. How are you able to come up on them, jump out of your car, chase them down when you just saw a movie about cops getting shot? Well, the way you're able to do that is you just get out and do it. Okay? And what God is calling some of you to do, he's calling some of you to do some things that are crazy, that do not make sense, that when you start to do it, your, your stomach's beaten. You, you, know, you ever notice the times like your stomach is like, it goes from here up into your throat, and you're like, this is great, I don't know. If you wait on those things, there's going to be things, you know, because here's the reality. I thought about that. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? like to chase someone down. I don't want to fight people. I'm just saying chase him down and knock him down for a good purpose, not for a bad purpose, for a good cause. Or at least when they come out of the bank, have your car there and run them over. Not kill them. <laughs> not kill them. I'm not, I don't want to kill anybody. I don't want to maim anybody. I think it'd just be fun to see them running out. You know, they're running out looking over their shoulder and you just hit them with the car, you know? <laughs> Every guy here, you have to say, that that would be fun. <laughs> Every red-blooded American man has to say, that would be kind of cool. Like, oh, you know, again, I don't want them to shoot me. I don't want to shoot them. I just like to hit him with the car. Um, but here's the thing. If you're going to serve God, it's going to be an adventure. If we're really going to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, it should be an adventure. It should not be this thing that's always safe, that there's no excitement. There should be times in which your heart is beating so fast it feels like it's going to pop out of your chest. There should be those times in which like your brain, you're just like, this is crazy. I can't believe I'm doing this. And you step out. And what happens is the crazy thing is, is when you step out, God meets you there. God gives you what you need. You know, it may sound crazy, but there's some of you who are supposed to talk to someone and your heart's beating in your chest like, there's some of you who are supposed to pray for somebody. There's some of you who may be called to ministry or called to sell your home and move somewhere and minister to people or to leave your job and to follow God's plan for your life. And you're like, this is crazy. My heart's beating fast. I'm gonna tell you something. If you wait a long time, You'll talk yourself out of it. And life will be this ordinary, mundane thing where you're like, well, there's another one that got away, but I'm safe. I just believe with all my heart that, that God's calling to some people to an adventure in him. And it's not weird. It's not crazy. But when your heart's... See, here's the thing. There's times that God's going to ask us to do some really courageous things. And to have courage does not mean an absence of fear. It doesn't mean that your heart doesn't beat fast. 
Some of you are supposed to speak to someone. Some of you are supposed to give a testimony. Some of you, you know, for some people, you know what? They feel that, they feel their adrenaline pumping whenever there's an altar call given. And their heart is like, and for them to step out of their pew is just as significant and just as big of a challenge as, as a guy jumping out of a car and chasing a guy just robbed the bank. Like, it's so scary to them. They're like, the longer you say no, the longer you hesitate, the more likely fear is going to win in your life. And so I just want to say this to you. There's some things that God's calling you to. And you keep hesitating, and you're going to miss out on what God has for you. There's some things that God wants you to do. He wants you to speak up. He wants you to serve. He wants you to minister. He wants you to go. He wants you to do this or that. And you're like, I want to do it, but I'm going to get to that. And you're going to be sitting in your car and opportunity passed by, opportunity passed by, opportunity passed by. You know what's so awesome? What's so awesome is to see is the moment God speaks to people when they start to step out. You see that there's periods of time when we see that. It's not all the time. There's periods of time that we'll see that whenever an altar call is given and people will step, they'll be the first one out. A lot of times people want to wait around. Let's see if anyone else gets here. Whenever someone else gets here, maybe I'll join in the chase. No, that's not what God's called. You're not those who shrink back. That's not who you are. That's not in your DNA. You're one of those who God's called to lead the pack. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You know, there's some of you who, even our capital campaign and our giving, there's some people you're just like hesitating. You're like, well, I'll see if God will provide. Maybe God is encouraged. Take a step of faith. See what God does. You're witnessing. I'm going to tell you what. You're witnessing. Some of you have been wanting to witness to someone, and you've been like, I'm going to witness to him sometime. It's been like six years. You've been working with them. They don't know anything about you or the Lord or Jesus. When you do that, you're one of the ones who's shrinking back. That's not who you were created to be. You're created to be one who leads the way. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to get ready to close our service. And this is what I want to do. If you're someone who's here today, and this is because I, I believe this with all my heart. I believe that as I pray for people today, I believe that there's people who have battles with fear. They're kind of like we talked a few weeks ago about Timothy. It says God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. I believe that there's some people who, you, for some reason, fear has been holding you back. And you just want to, you want to say, Pastor, I'm going to throw it off. Now, this is what, this is what you're going to have to do, though. Instead of waiting until everybody else, I wonder if anyone else will come. How about you lead the way? Because what you're going to find is if you lead the way, you're going to inspire other people. You're going to inspire other people who are going to say, there goes Rick. I'm with you, Rick. I'm coming. There goes Stevie. Man, I'm behind you, Stevie. I'm with you. I'm not behind you, Stevie. I'm right beside you. I'm coming. So if you're someone who the Holy Spirit has spoken to today, fear has been something that's it's, it's held you back. There's some things that you know God's wanted you to do, but you've been hesitant about stepping out on. There's some things that you know God has for you, and fears, you know, fear has torment. And you want to get rid. There's a healthy fear that I'm going to pray God gives you, a reverence of God, an awe of God. But I'll, I'm going to pray, and that's what I believe. I believe with all my heart as I pray over you, I believe it's going to be broken over you. 
And I believe some of you will just start stepping out and you'll be accomplishing things for God and doing things for God that you never thought was possible. I'm going to say this. I'm looking for people who are like the first five seconds, not waiting till the end. Father, I just pray that as we step out today, I pray for those who would say, I will not. I will not be bullied by the enemy. I will not be cowardly. I will not be fearful. But I will step out in faith. And I'm going to see God do miracles in my life. I'm going to see him do the miraculous. Because I was called for something greater than this. And I know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. If you're one of those people, I just want you... And then by the time I'm done praying, I want you to be out of your pew... And at the altar. And then for those of you who would like to pray with us, if you feel like you need prayer, I'm going to pray for you. If you'd like to pray with me for folks, we're going to do that. And we're going to just believe that God's going to break that fear. For the rest of you who need to go, we love you. I pray you go in the boldness of the Lord. Father, I pray your blessing and your protection upon your people. But I pray, God, as those who step out today, I pray that, God, that you would break fear over their lives and give them freedom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Blessings.